dispatch. Packets of fire all around. Dear Chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. episodes back, we sat down with Diane Cotter and she shared her story of her husband's line of duty, cancer diagnosis, and her relentless pursuit of making turnouts safe and just exploring PFAS and all that fun stuff about exposure in the workplace. If you haven't listened to that podcast, we definitely recommend it. And today we actually have another first responder spouse, Brittany San Pedro, with us to share her story about her husband's line of duty cancer diagnosis. Brittany, welcome. Thank you for having me. Brittany San Pedro is a speech therapist assistant, wife to a firefighter, and a mom. She has been with her husband for 10 years and has an 18-month-old and another one on the way. In late October of 2019, Brittany's husband at the age of 30 and 10 years into his career noticed a small lump on his collarbone. After several tests, he was diagnosed with stage 2 Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was the first line of duty cancer diagnosis in the history of Greeley Fire Department. Since then, many changes to screening and early detection have been made as a department. As a result, several malignant polyps, skin samples, and ultrasound readings have potentially saved the lives of other firefighters within the department. Today, Brittany is sharing her story to help anyone who may feel alone or scared, especially after a health diagnosis. She also wants to encourage change and promote the importance of regular screenings and early detection. Okay. So tell us your story a little bit, the whole thing. We want to hear it. My husband came home one day and just kind of mentioned like, hey, I got out of the shower at work and I just noticed I had a bump on my collarbone. And he's like, you know, I haven't had my yearly physical. I'm going to go in and have it checked out. And, you know, none of us, we weren't really worried. We were just kind of like, okay, he has a bump. We're going to go check it out. And his general practitioner ran blood work and then started him on antibiotics, thinking it was just an infection. His body was fighting something and blood work came back fine. It didn't go down with the antibiotics. At that point, they did an x-ray. Everything looked fine. The blood work looked fine. And his general practitioner asked him what he did for a living. And, you know, you fill out that survey, you tell him what you do. And he's like, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep looking if you're fine with that. You're a firefighter. It just makes me sit better if I, if I keep digging a little bit. And he kept going in for appointments. He then got an ultrasound done. After the ultrasound, he scheduled an appointment for a biopsy to have it looked at. And at this point, we hadn't even heard the word cancer yet. I, at the time, was a special education teacher at a school across the street from the hospital where he was having the biopsy done. He texted me and let me know he was going in. He was super nervous. I let my co-teacher know, hey, my husband doesn't usually have his feelings out like that and lets me know that he's sweating a little bit. I, I need to be there. He's like, that's fine. Go. I ran across the street and he went back. Everything was fine. He came back out and then he just had this look on his face that I'll never forget. His eyes started welling up with tears. And I guess 
the doctor who performed the doctor tech who performed the biopsy, you know, before his doctor had a chance to say anything, told him, yeah, this is pretty typical for lymphoma. And both of us were just kind of like, what is happening? What's going on? We were hit by a bus. We didn't even know that this is something that they were looking for. And we called our closest friends, our little mini fire family. And we were like, hey, we need support tonight. And in a minute, everybody was together at one of our friend's house. And everybody was just talking trash about the guy who stepped out of his scope of practice and said some things he maybe shouldn't have. And we were like, it's not going to happen. He's too young. He's healthy. There's no way. So a couple of days went by, we got a phone call saying that the doctor wanted us to come in, even though it was his day off. And um, usually not a great sign. So we were a little nervous going in. And then when we sat down, he let us know that they they did find it to be Hodgkin's lymphoma and that they needed to start figuring out what stage he was at, coming up with a plan, trying to figure out everything. And we were both strong until they asked us, you know, are you guys, you guys are young, you guys just got married, just bought a house like you, are you guys wanting to start a family at some point? And I just started bawling because I already knew what was coming. And he said, I recommend that you reach out to a fertility specialist if that's something that you would want to do. And you start reaching out to all your resources. And we did. After that, he started chemo in like less than a week. It was probably like four or five days. And he had chemo. He had it on Christmas. He had it like he started in November, had it for about six months and then took a little bit of a break and then started radiation. And then after he went through radiation, his end date was March 14th, 2020. And then right after that, the next day, the world shut down. But it was just, you know, for us, it was just amazing because he never, we never went to an appointment alone. It was just such a somber time. We were just had this dark cloud of stress and not knowing and anything. And at the same time, when it was so dark, such a beautiful thing, because we had the department bringing rigs down and we packed that cancer center. And, you know, we had some of his best friends, like his best man and another lieutenant was there at every single one of his chemo appointments. And, you know, everybody kind of band together for him. It was kind of, it was a beautiful thing to see everybody supporting each other and making sure that he was never alone. You know, the Terry Farrell Fund reached out right away. You know, they did a cut it for cancer for him. It was just something that they hadn't ever experienced before at the, this department. And we were, we were just kind of overwhelmed with all the support that we had. But obviously, we we're so young that we just kind of didn't really think that it was even a possibility. And the fact that his general practitioner kept pushing when they could have said, you know, we'll just monitor it, we'll see what happens. And I think that it's so important to just say, like, if you make sure you have your your physicals done, you get everything checked out, you don't leave anything, any stone unturned. And since that happened, I had the opportunity of meeting with Battalion Chief John Forrester at the Greeley Fire Department. And they just do so many great things now. They have a frontline mobile that they do, and it's extensive, extensive, not just cancer screenings, but overall health screenings. You know, he says he really focuses on overall wellness, mental health, and cardio function and what he's been able to do since he's been able to kind of say like, hey, this is a reality. Um, this happened. 
we did have a firefighter, a young firefighter who did have cancer online. It's kind of been able to give him the push and the the motivation to to keep it going, to keep saying like, hey, we need funding for this. We need we need all of this testing and advocate for that. And it was just so amazing. I was so thankful to meet with him and to to hear how much he's he's in our corner and he's he's continuing to push and and our department is continuing to prioritize health and and screening and everything. So let's back up for a second. When the crews kind of came around and were saying like, there's no way you have cancer, what was their reaction when they found out that your husband did have cancer? Um, Disbelief. They just... That was something that happened maybe when you're when you're older, you know, we all we all kind of met up together. And what's uh, crazy is we have kind of a core group of friends that all started at like a, um, a volunteer department. And they are now we have, you know, Pooter Fire Authority, we have Denver, we have all these different surrounding fire departments. And we have these core group of friends who started off at this little department who we kind of have as our core people. And they were all like, this is not real it's not real. It's not. I think that like they almost had to show up to to believe it to actually think that 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 could be a possibility. And it was just like if you can see the look on their face that it just shattered like the like it, it can't happen to me. It can't happen to somebody I love, somebody that I know, somebody that I work with. Did it prompt them to take their health a little bit more seriously? Was there more, you know, proactive kind of screening and things like that for them? Yeah, and I think that because we have our core group of friends who, you know, they they are at different departments, bigger departments, Denver Fire or like Peter Fire, all these different surrounding departments who all kind of operate differently. And I didn't know until they kind of talked about like, man, you know, Greeley's doing some amazing things. Like I wish that our department did more extensive screening instead of just like our yearly physical and just meeting with a doctor. And I think that that kind of, I was like, it's not standard practice. And I kind of was like, oh, this is kind of, it's different. And to hear them kind of say like, no, I've brought it up. And I've said, hey, like, this would be amazing if we could, we could have this. And I think it's kind of motivated them to take their health more seriously. Not only that, but like to sort of advocate for themselves too. Yeah. So lymphoma is a very common cancer in the fire service, right? I did a little deep dive, maybe not like super deep dive, but I definitely looked at some of the statistics for firefighters specifically. It's crazy if you ever research it, which I'm sure you probably did at this point. The female firefighters, I did not know how like a 600% increased risk of breast cancer. That's wild. Wow. And then firefighters have obviously a significant increased risk of cancer as they progress throughout their career. So at the 20 year mark, gets a little more at the 30 year mark, it gets a little more. So cancer is not uncommon in the fire service at all. But you said that the department specifically would never say for certain that it was because of his exposures to chemicals on the job, or their gear containing the PFOAS. So was he eligible for any kind of benefit or anything from job related cancer? It's not covered under like a workman's comp type of thing. Colorado has something called the Colorado Cancer Trust. So it's departments that elect to put money into an account that say like there's an eligibility criteria. He had been a firefighter at that point in 2019 for 10 years. So he was eligible to say like, yes, he's had enough exposure to have been at risk to have this type of cancer that is known 
or more common for firefighters. So lymphoma was on there. Um, I know testicular cancer is a big one too for men. I didn't know breast cancer for women, but there is an eligibility criteria. They don't come out and say that this is work-related and um, the department and the everybody who works for Greeley Fire was amazing. They all covered his shifts. So he was able to go through treatment. He had to step offline for a while. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, he kind of was forced to sit at a desk for a little bit just because he was his immunity was still really low. But I don't even think that there was something written out that like what happens if a firefighter has cancer. It was just kind of like the guys, everybody at the department banding together and being like, I got your shift. I got your next shift. And they got it all figured out for us. Um, but there was never like a like this is work related. It's workman's comp. It's a it's a work related issue. It was kind of a separate you know, like having the the cancer trust and then having the Terry Farrell fund reach out to um, knowing that it could be a job related cancer. So Colorado is not a presumptive cancer state then. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And it's crazy to me that in 2023, after all of these studies that there are states that don't have that presumptive cancer legislation, it blows my mind. No. So they also got new gear. Is that right? Yes. My husband got one of the first new sets of bunker gear. And I know that they were making sure that it gets replaced and everything. But but yeah, he, he currently has gear that's PFOA free. And in case you didn't know, new wives or new spouses, turnouts expire. I don't know if we've, we might've talked about this with Diane, Chelsea, and we've probably hit on this a few times, but turnouts expire. So I think it's 10 years, if I recall, they should be changed out every 10 years at minimum. So if your departments are not changing out your turnouts every 10 years and you don't have a spare, you have a problem. There's a problem um, because the overexposure to anything in the same turnouts is insane. And they do have an expiration date. So any department who is not giving you new turnouts at least every 10 years and giving you a second set, you should be talking to somebody in the higher ups because it's the least you can do to prevent it. The least you can do. So after all of this, your husband is cancer-free now, right? Yes. Yeah. He's He was monitored. He's had numerous PET scans after that. He still has, it never actually showed up in his blood. So, I mean, I'm telling you, if you think that going into your doctor and just having your physical and just having your blood work done is enough, it's not. Anything looks off, anything feels off. He actually said that one of the fir- the symptoms that he didn't realize was a symptom was referred back pain because hmm. he has like really bad back pain. Um, at that point, it was like he was going to the chiropractor like every week. And so it was it was that the flu like symptoms. And, you know, at, at that point, he was stage two, and he had only had the referred back pain, but he didn't have it still and never at any point in, in treatment after treatment before treatment showed up in his blood. So for me, that that's scary to think that you could go into a physical and walk out and think that you're fine, you know, and it's, you know, making sure that you have a general practitioner that you trust that knows what you do knows what you're exposed to. I didn't know until I, I listened to the podcast with Di too. And 
hearing that, you know, I told my husband, I was like, we need to figure out something with you because he travels sometimes. And I'm like, with you having your gear in the car, knowing that we have strollers back there and clothes back there or anything. And it's just crazy to me. And it's it's kind of like making sure that you, you, your family and, and others are just, you know, advocating, advocating for anything. It doesn't feel right, doesn't look right. I mean, there's they're still monitoring his blood work. It doesn't matter. It doesn't show up. But yeah, he's he's cancer free. He's been cancer free. Thank God. So let's flip it um, to a little bit of positivity for a second. So after that, you went to a fertility specialist and you were able to conceive. So this yes. is, there is hope, right? What did the fertility specialists kind of do or walk us through that maybe? Because I don't, I don't know anything about fertility specialists. So if you can share with us, that would be awesome. Yes. I got into whoever could answer. I had like four, he wanted to get us to get in right away. So I, I called my OB. I called a local fertility specialist in our Denver area and they had us come in and they recommended that we talk to a sperm bank. We are able to at least preserve some sperm in case, you know, when he started treatment, we would not be able to naturally conceive. And we did. And it's pretty tricky. I recommend that as soon as you have that diagnosis, that if you haven't had children, if you still want to have children, you contact somebody right away, look into sperm banks right away. Or, you know, if you're a woman and that happens, that you look into egg retrieval, right? It's just, it's a lengthy process. Even for sperm, we had to make sure it was like a certain amount of days. They they recommended that we did that. We had a one that we could just send in that was based out of Boston, I think. And we met with a fertility specialist afterwards. They kind of explained that, you know, firefighters, hockey players, they kind of listed out cancer patients and a lot a lot of these people who could potentially have difficulties having children. And she asked what our treatment plan was. She went through all of that and gave us just kind of some tips of like, hey, while he is going through that, why don't you get all of your blood work done, have everything looked at. So while he was going through treatment, I was having ultrasounds done, having very extensive blood work done, making sure that when he was done we and we were ready, I, I wasn't deficient in any vitamins or anything like that. And thankfully, it was just I was just like deficient in like vitamin D or something. It was very easy to go in and, and fix that and be ready. But I think my husband was 30. I was 27. And they told us that the, the egg retrieval process, all of the different supports that we, we could have, they did all of the scanning of like all my quality of eggs and everything, gave us some information and everything. But so we had a waiting period after he was done with chemo and radiation. We had to wait a year from his last day. That year was really hard. But thankfully, we started trying on our own. And after about a year, we, we got pregnant naturally even though we had like that sperm banked and everything and had all of my records done ready in case, you know, we needed to do IUI or IVF, we were prepared. But yeah, we were we were able to thankfully have our son naturally and this pregnancy naturally as well. So it was amazing. It was a miracle. I am so thankful for that. Oh, boy. That's a lot. So thank God you had an amazing doctor because I think so much of this would go unnoticed just from a regular physician, not to bang on physicians, but I think just because they're all very overworked. So if they don't know what to look for and they don't know what your job is, I think they're just going to do the bare minimum. So kudos to him. And if you don't have a great doctor, then you have to advocate for yourself. And well, I don't have any more questions. I think it's hot seat time. What do you think, Chelsea? I think so. Okay. First question. Are you a book reader? Uh, I do audiobooks. 
because I'm always doing something and I'm listening to my books on my headphones. <laughs> Great. So what one are you listening to right now? Oh, I'm I'm excited about that. I'm I'm listening to the, the the Britney Spears book right now, The Woman in Me. Anytime I like have some time in the car by myself, I'm traveling or doing something, I'm listening to to that book or at the same time I'm listening to like Brene Brown anything. So Okay, love we love both of those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't personally read it yet, but it's on my my TBR. I, I've been really slacking in the reading department this year. I read 56 books last year, and this year I'm like, I'm not reading anything. So I've read like two books in 2023. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Britney book is so easy. You'll get through it in like a day. It's just fascinating. Okay, switching to something more delicious. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Ooh, I, you know, might be kind of gross. I, I'm a fan of like the cranberries in a can. I'm a cranberries in a can girl. I love, you know, having that with like some good garlic mashed potatoes and gravy. Like that's my jam right there. What do you prefer? Pumpkin spice latte or peppermint mocha? Oh, I have to go pumpkin spice. And I, if I'm at Starbucks, I'm going to get the pumpkin spice chai. That's where it's at right there. I noticed you're drinking tea this morning. So I figured you're going to say the pumpkin spice chai because it's like the best thing on the freaking menu. Um, What would you say to your husband's chief if you had the chance? I would say they're doing a really good job right now with talking about mental health and being very open with everybody and trying to to really kind of open up and say like, hey, where where are we? Where do where do we need to work on? What do we need to to do? And I think having kind of that open door, those conversations with their firefighters and continuing to kind of have those talks about mental health and and just my husband's kind of moved around in shifts a lot. And I know it's been it's been a little hard on him sometimes to kind of switch up crews. And I know that they've had a lot of movement. They have a lot of people recently leave just because they're older and they're retiring and stuff like that. So there's been movement. And I would just love to see them kind of stick with the crew for a while and just, you know, continuing doing all the great work that they're doing, but maybe even selfishly just being able to kind of to have a, a little crew again, that little crew family again for a little bit longer. Okay, what would you tell your younger self when your firefighter first started his career? Um, oh man, he was still volunteer when we met because we met in 2013, and he had like he had just gotten his first little part time job. He was so excited, and I I didn't really know what to expect, but I would probably say it's going to be okay. You marry somebody, and you you love somebody, and you stay with somebody because because of who they are as humans. And I think sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of the times the job really makes it hard to to remember that that human um, just because there's so many moving parts all the time. You know, he just got off working seven days straight because he was working a 72, jumped into a class, worked a class, like did a class all week in between working. And it was just, he got home and I was like, who are you? Like, what? I haven't seen you. And I think I would tell myself to just give yourself grace and give him grace. And just remember why you love spending time with this person and why you love this person. Yep. I don't think there's much more to say other than that. I mean, that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, Brittany, thank you for telling us your story today. How can people get in touch with you if they want to hear more, have questions or? Yeah, I, um, you can definitely send me a message on Instagram um, or send me an email if you have any, have any questions, want to talk to somebody. I felt strange coming on because I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm a wife. Like I, I don't really, I'm not, you have these amazing people that come on that have these, you know, 
that do these amazing things. And I, if I could help one person, or if you're you're struggling and you don't know what your next step is, you're you know, or anything, you absolutely feel free to send me a message on Instagram, Facebook. Just need to chat. Absolutely. Yeah, we have amazing people on, but really the wives and the spouses are our favorites because you're like us. So <laughs> you're very relatable. So that was the whole point of us starting the podcast was like, we want to talk to people who uh, understand how we feel and we want to you know, reciprocate. So we will share your, what is your Instagram handle? I think it's, it's, um, it's Brittany Rose with periods in between all of them. I know it's super annoying that there's periods between all of them, but like I have a very common name. So it's just like <laughs> trying to have a handle with the name Brittany is just very difficult. So it's Brittany Rose <laughs> with periods. B dot R dot I dot T dot N dot E. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Not, we're not making it complicated at all. No, it's fine. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. We'll have it in the show yeah. notes for everybody. And you can, you can, you know, I'm the only Brittany San Pedro, I think, on Instagram. So my name is Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And as always, if you love our podcast, you can share and leave a review. And of course, keep listening so we can bring more fun fire spouses on to give us insight on what it's really like to be married to a first responder. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in weekly for the 25,000 foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out.